Hi, this is Janet Gallon welcoming you to Love Letters Live. And today's guest is Celeste. You know, I'm, I'm just going to let you, well, introduce yourself more or less. And, and, okay. and if you would talk about um, what you do with Mahogany Mermaids. And then I've got other questions. Okay. Cool. I'm, I'm Celeste Thompson, and I am one of the coaches with Mahogany Mermaids. So essentially, I kind of help guide and direct um, women who are coming into swimming, most of them for the first time, after having some kind of experience where either they had a traumatic experience or they are wanting to swim and were too afraid before and just need that encouragement. So, well, okay. so, so my, like question, my question is, I'm, I've got so many questions, you know, I, if you're lucky as I was here, I, I saw about you on my computer screen just, and I don't even remember why. And I just ran for it because the very thought of swimming, and I don't know if your experience is this, but all my life, I have noticed that there is no sound more shrieky joyful than people in a pool, children in a pool, people. You can't dislike anybody if you're in a swimming pool with them, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, if, to be honest, I mean, if that's your experience, but if swimming wasn't um, something that you had access to, or if you don't come from a background swimming, meaning your parents swam or someone in your family swam, or you were in a situation where swimming was something that was joyful. Right. Because a lot and, of people... And, no, go ahead. My good luck was that this is true. I mean, I grew up around swimming. I was raised in Southern California. It was beaches and swimming pools. And there were lots of public pools also where people could go for lessons. Um, right. So start kind of from the beginning. How, how long has the Mahogany Mermaids been going? And how did you come up with that name? It's so gorgeous. Okay, so Mahogany Mermaids was started by Nadine Ford. It was her brainchild. And from what I understand when I was talking to Nadine, um, she just wanted some friends to swim with. Um, I met Nadine through um, a group that kind of helps you get prepared for doing triathlons. Oh. My, my background history was I never learned how to swim, but I was never afraid of the water. Um, I was 14 years old and almost drowned in a public pool. Oh my. But never, it never deterred me because I kept going back to the pool. I mean, that's not everybody's story. But um, I don't know, I just kept being challenged by, this is something I want to do and I don't know how to do it, but I want to do it. So fast forward to about 2016, <laughs> where I did a, um, what they call like a super sprint triathlon. So and you're an so you're an athlete. So I'm an athlete, or I like to think I'm an athlete. Okay. And so for triathlons, it's but you're not you're not a stranger to the world of physical. Not at all. But I'm a stranger in terms of knowledge when it comes to swimming because people get in the pool and play and 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 that's great. But I didn't really possess the wisdom or knowledge it takes to really be proficient. So long story short, that's how I met Nadine and did a couple of races and connected with her when she would say, hey, I have friends, come swim. So that's how I met her and the Mahogany Mermaids. Um, she was in the beginning, I guess, stages of creating it. 
And well, may I ask how old you were when you actually learned how to swim? Uh, I would say 2016, so that would have made me 41. Oh, so, okay. And, and yeah, so I was late, but I played in the water, had fun in the water, didn't know how close to danger I was with drowning almost. But yeah, I was older because I did not have access. Um, I quite honestly couldn't afford to go sure. and get a membership at the Y. Um, and again, I think a lot of it has to do with families having access because my right. family didn't, nobody in my family can swim. No one in my family. Well, they, they are not afraid of the water, but to say they're proficient in swimming, no. So what you are exposed to, what you're used to is kind of going to guide you moving forward in the things that you are willing to try, the mm -hmm. things that you may be a little bit hesitant to because you don't have those positive reinforcers. What do you do as a coach or a teacher with women? Is it all women, by the way? Yes. Well, we, we do have one merman now. Oh, do you? He has broken too. And I think we might have another one. Okay. But yes, so far it's all women and one guy. So and you're not set up just for women. It, it, that's how it started, but I guess we're evolving. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, what, what do you do with somebody who is terrified of the water? I remember teaching swimming when I was young at a day camp, you know, and there were a couple of kids who were just so terrified they couldn't go. What do you do? I think the beauty, and, and I'll kind of come into your question. The beauty of what I love, I guess, of one of the things I love about Miley Mermaids is because we have, we have more than one coach. And it's almost like we kind of share the coaching experience. And for example, if there's someone who really has a knack of showing someone how to breathe or a knack with showing someone their strokes or a knack with just working oh. with beginner. So we kind of share the load. So you For specialize me, according to need. That's nice. Yeah, basically. And we, we kind of rotate the people that we're working with sometimes just because we see, okay, well, you know what, they need a little extra work. So we're going to send you over here or um, I think they're ready to kind of progress. So we're going to send you over here to this coach. So for me, for me, um, I know how I was, you know, approaching the pool being terrified. And I think you have to be honest with the person that you're talking to, because you kind of get a rapport with them. And I think it's important to start there is to establish a rapport, because then I know what to say and how to say it mm -hmm. and how much to push you and how much to pull back. So I think and then you, you have the advantage of if people are signing up for it, they already are committed to wanting to learn. Right. And I remind them, I mean, you, you put a bathing suit on, you got your swim cap on, you got your goggles on. So you're here. So we have to, you know, I can literally lead you to the water. But let me, let me ask you something about that, putting the bathing suit on, because what I read, I'll tell you, you know, my, my ignorance is getting a little bit less every day. I never knew about you guys. But I do know about some of the issues that you talk about because they're worldwide. And they're, I guess they're mostly for women, but men too. You, one of the things that was on whatever I read about you was that there is no body shaming. Absolutely. And do you, do you ever run into people who just don't want to really put on a bathing suit or want to be covered up or good? No, I, I think because people are just glad to be in that space. No yeah. one even, no one's even looking at what you have on because we're not, 
we're here basically to get past that fear of the of the pool and develop a love for swimming. So, so really, no, no one's even looking at what you have. And it's not an issue. Oh, that's nice. Okay, and, you know, it made it sound like maybe some people were shy. The other issue, well, one of the things I read was that one of your goals is to reclaim your swimming heritage. Now, yeah. talk about that because, you know, I, I, I didn't know if that meant historically African swimming here. So I, I tried to read a little bit of pretty interesting. You talk about that. So um, it was something that I learned as well is that um, Africans historically um, before being enslaved have always swam and have always been in the water and have never been afraid of swimming. So a lot of, for the most part, your, Af your black folk in America don't know that or don't have an understanding that swimming was not something that we were ever afraid to do. Um, when you go back and look at all the things that happened prior to or beginning of the civil rights period and not being able to go but certain places and having water fountains over here for this group. And oh, this is just- Places yeah. to go in this group. And there were, there were times off, you know, there are pictures in our history that show bleach being poured into water when black people wanted to come and swim in, in public swimming pools. So you have all of that negative history on top of not knowing the history before that Black people were proficient swimmers. Africans were proficient swimmers mm -hmm. and swam better than most Europeans. And the whole idea behind what we call the front crawl now or the, the, the freestyle, that was, that was a stroke that Black folk mastered and did very well. So Historically or now? Historically. Uh -huh. And from what the, and I have to get the book title for you. And I, I meant to bring it downstairs with me, but I have it upstairs and I can give it, let you see it and give you the name, the title of it. But it talks about, the author talks about how, how Africans basically, the front crawl, the freestyle was, was what they did. And well, you, when you think about it, it's so useful. I mean, it is transportation. Right. Um, but the Europeans watching them do it thought it looks really clumsy and... Um, <laughs> it splashed too much and surely swimming should be nice and relaxing and calm. So they kind of came up with the whole breaststroke thing. Cause when you think about the breaststroke, it's, it's not the most efficient, but it doesn't do all, you, you can kind of get through the water with not as much splashing as you would necessarily with uh, the freestyle. Do you, the freestyle do you is much more efficient cause you really have to keep your face in the water. Do you teach diving? I mean, is it, do you stop at swimming or like for people who want to know what you do well, I think we're just really meeting people where they are to getting them to the point where they're comfortable in the water and not being afraid of the water. Because a lot of people's goals, essentially they're coming in and we're wanting to know what is it that you want to accomplish? Because it could just be someone saying, I don't want to be afraid to be in the water. That's a different kind of goal or end point for someone who wants to be able to swim the length of the pool. So you kind of got to direct it towards whatever it is they're trying to, to um to accomplish, but we are currently um, adding more people to the coaching staff. And so the sky is really the limit. And as far as teaching more um, swim strokes and hopefully competition at some point. So oh, I was gonna ask you about that and performance because I remember as a child, one of the most, it's such a glamorous business, women in a swimming pool, okay. I think. And so one of the things that, I mean, I'm, 
an old woman. So this is like in the 40s. And it was called um, Water Ballet. Okay. You're too young to know about this. It's now called synchronized swimming. I was going to say, that sounds like it must have been synchronized swimming. Right. And it was water ballet. And it was so beautiful. And do you, do you have, do you look to the, you know, ahead to where you can have teams doing synchronized swimming or doing shows or doing like now recitals that, like you would if you were taking piano lessons? I'm, I, I really don't have an answer for that one. I'm okay. just, I'm just on the coaching staff. I don't know what okay. these ideas are. <laughs> I don't know that, I don't know that synchronized swimming is, is a direction we're necessarily trying to go into, but definitely um, getting more um, African-American women in the pool and being aware of the rich heritage that is present and not being fearful of the water and just, you know, right. owning the ability to learn how to swim and it, not just a life. I mean, it, it's, it's recreational. Yes, but it's a life skill. And okay. I just, so I just, I read, I read some statistics on drowning. Yes. Horrific. Yes. It is horrific. And the person more likely to drown, most likely to drown is a black male. Well, oh, male? Black male in his 20s. I wonder why. Because um, they're not in the water. Um, and I think, I can't remember, was it last summer or two summers ago, a gentleman who was on, I don't know, you're probably not really familiar with football as a team, a, not a local team because it's in South Carolina. I think he was on the Clemson football team um, well-known, very athletic, very healthy, um, was in the pool. I don't know. I don't know if they were in the pool or if they were in some body of water and they were all out there having fun and he got tired and did not tread water well at all. Oh and my. Didn't possess, and didn't possess the understanding or knowledge of what you do when you get tired, because oh. had he known all he needed to do was flip on his back and float. Uh-huh. Yeah. He would have still been alive. And he was like 24. He was in his mid, lower, early 20s. Well, I did read, I did read in this, you know, looking around about a um, young man who went into the water and he was in trouble. I mean, he was, he was having trouble and a group of his friends, black males, young, ran in to save him and they all drowned. It's just, it's just horrible. I, you know, I'm thinking that it should be such a part of every community to build pools to teach this. Oh, well. Right. And you know, when you think, when you think about all the, the phrases that we have adopted from swimming, mm -hmm. you know, like diving right in and, right. you know, oh, he's, he's in deep water or he's in, you know, the deep end. Right. And sticking one toe at a time, you know, we, we really have a lot of our life is connected Right. Swimming. So what are some of the issues I, I read, which actually did make me laugh out loud all by myself, that one of the issues, hair issues. Oh, yeah. And it, well, you're saying, oh, yeah, this is universal. Hair is an obsession. And talk about that. I mean, I remember, by the way, just to start things off, as, as a young teenager, we spent a lot of time at the beach. And, you know, very few of us, maybe me and one other person would go in beyond the waves and really dunk under and have a, most, most of the girls would go into here 
you know, and they'd go like this, but they they'd be keeping their head safely out of the water. And if they had done their hair or had their hair done, they wouldn't go in a swimming pool. It's kind of nuts if you think about it. Talk about this. Um, I think there's, I think there's a, a, a perception of beauty that is constantly put in front of women. And because your hair is a particular texture where you're, where you're constantly shown in the media that, you know, straight, long, pretty flowing hair is so much easier to manage and so much easier to deal with. And it's, 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 it's kind of like something you should want to attain to. And I think for black and brown women who that is not their texture, the struggle is, oh my gosh, it's so much work to get my hair to do whatever it is I want it to do. And you, it's somehow along the ways, like I said, of media being, you know, portraying what beauty is, mm -hmm. you know, maybe black women look at that as I'm not as beautiful or as attractive because I have to do this to my hair. Or I have to do that to my hair and it's too much work. And what we are saying is that, you know what, you have to love the skin that you're in, including the hair that you have and that it doesn't make you any less beautiful. But I, I, I was you know. under the impression, maybe falsely, totally, that those days were over. That, that I mean, that, that False was- Falsely, totally. The days are, yeah, the days, I think that there's an awakening for women. If you, I don't, I don't know if you know much about natural hair care, but a lot of black women are starting to wear their hair in the natural way that it grew out of their head before they got old enough to try to change the texture. But I, but I remember that taking good strong hold in the 60s. Right, 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 right. Well, well I think it's making a resurgence now. And just because it's just overall, it kind of speaks to, I mean, when you wake up in the morning and you look in the mirror, that's one of the first things you see is your hair. I know, and what is that? You have to make, I think you just have to make a commitment to yourself to say, you know what, I love everything about me, especially my hair. It's your crowning glory. That's so right. it's, it's important, I think, to recognize or to say, and especially now, because, you know, there are so many products out there now that you can kind of find something that suits you. So it's a lot easier now to kind of tame the main, if you will, um, <laughs> with finding different things that work for you and not feeling afraid or ashamed because, and then quite honestly, there's not a lot of, you don't see as many, there may be, you know, black girls growing up wanting to be on swim clubs and they're usually the only black girl on the swim club. And so there's gonna, there's probably some times where they're feeling or made to feel like, you know, you look different, your hair is different. Or if you wear weave or whatever, and that's a source of, you know, conversation and undue attention. So there's a lot of different kind of things in the background going on where, you know, women are taught early that your hair is different and that's not the way it's supposed to be. Well, we're, 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 all be. Taught, we're all taught early that whatever we have is not good enough for right. something. I mean, right. this, is, this is, you know, advertising and making people feel inadequate. Right. For... A variety. No good reason. No good reason. I said for no good reason. For no good reason, right? Yes. Right. What What do you hope to see, as far as this spreading to city after city? It seems critical. I think the beauty of mahogany mermaids is um, 
not so much to make more mahogany mermaid. I can do that in my city because essentially I think we, you, we Nadine started with an idea of I want to swim with my friends and I want to encourage more people that look like me to swim. And that is the same idea I hope gets across to other people in different cities and different sure. states to take that same enthusiasm and, and, and start their own clubs and say, hey, let's get some more people that look like me and encourage them to get into the water and to be um, unafraid to try. Do you have an age limit? I mean, how young do you take people? Will you take children? Well, they're, the, oh, we, now we do the adults. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, this is this is more because we're we're aligned with USMS and um, trained. With, I'm sorry, aligned with what? USMS is the United States Master Swimming um, oh. Association. So USMS.org and USMS is Master Swimming, which means you're over the age of 18. I see. Okay. All Masters means is that you're over the age of 18, and um, we're adult learn to swim trained, and also I think level two. Nadine and myself are you know, trained also to kind of help with um, teaching strokes and trying to get people more acclimated into the water and doing stroke clinics and things of that nature. So yeah. um, really this group is for adults. Well, I have a question only because yeah. I'm a terrible busybody. Yes, there are, I, I know that there's there's a hospital in San Francisco where I live and part of what they have and, and, you know, community centers also where they have huge public pools. But the hospital's pool, I believe, is for you know health and therapeutic reasons. Mm -hmm. I mean, look at uh, what's her name? I, I can't think of her name. Um, who had polio victims swimming? Florence Nightingale. Okay. Right. And you would think that for health centers, that the mahogany mermaid coaches would be invited to come in and be part of the program. You know, I also think it would make a great TV series, but that's just me. <laughs> just, you know, every week, like some backstory and yes. <laughs> Who knows? I mean, I, yeah, I can't really speak to that, but you know, I guess the people who will best, I, I always believe that information out here that is put out, you know, in with the intention of helping people grow and become better versions of themselves is going to reach the people that it needs to reach. So um, if, if that's meant to be, I'm sure it'll happen. But I think the, the, the momentum, many people reaching out to us, you know, saying how impressed or how, you know, for years they were sitting on, oh, I want to swim. And you guys kind of motiva motivated me to get up off the couch and actually do something. So, yeah. you know, whatever's going to happen that's supposed to happen will. So, I mean, I, I, you know, the truth is I can't imagine anything more joyful than being in the water, especially with friends. Right. You know, and if it's not freezing cold, do you have limits <laughs> on that? No, I, I don't, I don't like cold water. I mean, it takes me a long time. Like, I mean, at this point, the water is always cold, but you still like, I think that love or the desire to learn and have fun and, and, and get better and see the progress that you're, that you've made from one week to the next kind of outweighs that first sure. five minutes. Are you, are you a person who just dives right in? No. Or do you go <laughs> inch by inch? 
it's a whole process, a long, slow, like, oh my gosh, do I have to put my foot in? It's so cold in here. Yeah, it's a process. I drag it out much longer than I should. You really, okay, I do too, but I see people just, you know, jump right into really cold. That's not me. I'm so, and I'm cold natured too, so. Yeah, they seem to live to tell the tale, you know, so. Right. Oh, I want to thank you for doing this with me. This has just been such a total privilege meeting you and learning about this. Right, Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, you know, I'm amazed all the time, all the time, at how I think most of us live side by side with something spectacular and have no clue that it exists. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so much of that. You get, you get, you get the information you get. Right. So, um, thank you for spreading this. I will look forward to sharing this with everybody I know. And um, yes, I, I just so appreciate your being here. I can just see from that beautiful smile that you're having a good time at what you do. Yeah, we have fun. We have okay. fun. I mean, we have time to be serious, but most of the time we have fun. So what, what are the, if there are any, what are the, just kind of a wrap up, what are the hardest issues to overcome? Um, maybe there aren't hardest. I don't know that they're necessarily hard. Cause again, everybody, every person is different and everyone comes in with their own, their own preconceived notions or their own personal experience, whether it was traumatic or they just are new to the water. Oh, traumatic. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know, like that's, I know some people who were pushed into the pool. Ah, yes. My daughter, when she was age three, I took her indoor pool and <clears throat> some, you know, glorious, well-known and she took her and she dropped her in the deep end. And I was standing there, I was horrified and she managed to sputter. And the teacher brought her out of the pool and this little three-year-old looked at this teacher and said, don't you ever do that to me again, I'm just three. And that stuck with her for a good long time. It never goes away because that is an experience that you associate with fear. So when you see the water, that makes you think of that experience. And some, you know, I mean, you just have to kind of meet people where they are and just kind of be as patient as you can, but also kind of give that nudge when it's necessary. So I, I, I it's, it's just kind of different depending on the person. Thank you. I, You're appreciate welcome. This. I will, I will be um, on the alert for news from the Mahogany Mermaids. What a glamorous, the whole, the whole concept is just pure glamour. Thank you, dear. Thank you. And look, this is- Oh, oh, yes. And our paraphernalia. Was so oh, good. Oh, yes. How beautiful. People can order those online? No, it's for members only, actually. Oh, so. Okay. Yeah, but I'm just, I'm just representing the mahogany mermaid. I know. I understand. Okay. That's, I, you know, I got, I, I've been so taken with what you do and who you are and that I forgot that, you know, I am about love letters here on Love Letters Live. Okay. If you were to write a love letter right now, who would it be to? And that means gratitude, appreciation, inviting somebody into your life. Most are not romantic, but you're entitled. Um, I kind of would probably write a love letter to Nadine for, for inviting me to be a part of the Mahogany Mermaid. Wonderful. So. Okay, I hope you do it. My first love letter. <laughs> okay, thank you. Thank I'll, you. I'll talk to you again, I hope, in life. All right, hopefully you know? our paths will cross again and we'll laugh Are about you? this conversation. Say again, I'm sorry? So hopefully our paths will cross again and we oh. might laugh. Yes, and by the way, if there's something else that you feel like talking about or sharing, 
give me a call and come back and we'll have another little chat. Or okay. anybody on your team has a story that is really gripping and inspirational. Okay. I think anybody who does anything in adult life to learn is inspirational, but you know. Okay, thank you, dear. You're Talk welcome. Have a great later. day. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.